Hey guys, it's Maliha, and I'm here to tell you to keep only God in your heart and the affairs of this world in your hands. Don't get it twisted. But also, are you free? riding my bike one day to racing it to wanting to win races to wanting to be a professional <laughs> and um after about two years I signed a pro contract or two and a half years and then um that's what led me to Europe so yeah it was a bit of a turning point in my career like I had kind of a cushy job in Metro Capital and then left it to go pro cycle in Europe but it was hands down the best decision I've made in a really long time and no regrets. What allowed you to make that transition in your mind or flip that switch from making biking a hobby to more of a career? I would say there were two things. Um, the first was I started getting results in cycling. So it wasn't just, oh, this is something that I do for fun. It was, oh, this is something I can actually be good at. And I'd gotten local results at races in the U.S. And then in the fall, I went to Europe, but I was still working half time when I went to Europe. And I did well in my first European race block. And so then when I came back, I was like, okay, well, if I could dedicate myself full time and not be on Zoom calls till midnight, you know, um, maybe I could give myself more. So I was actually waking up at 6 a.m., going to races, coming back, working on Zoom calls for, you know, five or six hours, and then going to bed at midnight, waking up and, and doing it all over again. So it was pretty stressful. Um, and I just did decently well. And I was like, okay, well, if I could dedicate myself, I would do even better. So I think it was validation that I could actually build a bit of a career doing this. And then the second thing for me was pro cycling doesn't pay a lot. So I needed to make sure that I had the financial stability before I made the jump. And so I wanted to make sure that I had, you know, enough savings for my job and that I left feeling comfortable with the decision. So I think it was a, com you know, the two factors, like everything kind of came together at the same time. I'd been working for four years, so I had some savings. And then that was when I started to get some international results. And so those were the, the two biggest factors. But it wasn't easy. I mean, I had, you know, a really great career that I really enjoyed. And I really liked the people I was working with. And there were a lot of opportunities in front of me on the work side. So like, I think intellectually, it was hard to make the choice because, no one in the U.S. really follows road cycling. And they were like, what are you doing? You're leaving your cushy job. But it felt like what I wanted to do. And so I really had to 
listen to that. And um, I think for a lot of my life, I've kind of always done the thought exercise a little bit too deeply and not listened too hard to like, what, what do I really feel and want to do? Mm-hmm. So I really let myself do that this time and it worked out really well. So that's amazing. Yeah. I love that framework of like intellectually or like theoretically kind of wanting to do something or thinking something is an idea that you might want to invest your time and like, you know, really pursue beyond just being a hobby. But like, that is so hard to take it from a theoretical stage to actually like figuring out the logistics. I mean, it it isn't even, you know, in terms of careers or things like that, but even like, I know people who, I mean, even personally, like I'm currently kind of living a little bit of a nomadic life. And for a while I was theoretically like, okay, I want to do this. I want to, you know, move around and travel, but it was like taking it from just this theoretical idea that sounded cool to actually, you know, figuring out, okay, what are the actual logistical steps that I need to take to make this a reality? And then once you have those in line, it's like, okay, well now I'm the only thing that's holding myself up. So like when my lease was up at my last apartment, it was like, okay, as soon as this date passes, like I have no more excuses. I've done the research I need to do. Like I've, I've done everything in my mind and now I just need to kind of actually you know take that with me as I step forward into something so that's always something that um that I struggle with sometimes but that is really dope once you are able to take something that's just like a, oh this would be a cool idea or like maybe I could do this to like oh here's actually how I can do this to like I'm gonna do this now yeah and it is true like you know very very often we're the people that hold ourselves back you know and I think it's actually very liberating when we realize that and it can also be really challenging because and in some ways, you know, we want to be able to blame these other things like, oh, this is why I can't do it or this is why I can't do it. And I think when you realize that you're you usually you're the biggest block between you and, and following your dreams, um, it, it suddenly becomes like very liberating and you realize that all you have to do is just go do it. Um, there's actually this really great book called When to Jump, and it's by Michael Lewis. And he worked at Bain Investing and then left to go travel the world as a professional tennis squash player I think and he wrote a book about his journey and about how he prepared to make the jump you know all of the planning that went into it and he experimented a little bit with some local tournaments and it was it's just a very good book for anyone who is considering making a jump yeah that's dope I I definitely do want to check out that book I feel like there's this book called uh when breath becomes air and that was definitely um a little bit life-changing for me to realize just being able to move in a way where my days are spent to the fullest degree in which I want. I mean, of course, like there's, I mean, I, I currently like the job that I'm in right now, but it, that book gave me just a little reminder that it, it, it's just deeper than the nine to five or just that realm, especially like our, our upbringing and even like our educational backgrounds that sort of pushes forward, just being able to just work really hard, making sure your finances are secured. And then at a certain point in life, you'll be able to enjoy those fruits of your labor. So I guess another thing that pops up in my mind, hearing all of your background, leaving like the VC space and then pushing forward, I guess just traveling the world, biking, like aside from that level of financial security, what was, I guess, sort of the mental exercises on a day-to-day basis? Like, did you just wake up one moment and just know like, okay, today's the day that I'm going to put in that time or send that email to my manager? Like, what was that build-up process like? Yeah, it happened over several months. Um, it actually, I would say it happened over the course of a year. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, there were a few things I needed to know. The first thing was I wanted to know that I could actually be good at cycling. Um, and I wanted to know if something I could get paid to do. 
and that I had opportunities to be really good at it. And the reason is that I think for me, I needed to know that if I was going to invest so much into this, it needed to be more than just like a side hobby. Mm-hmm. Or so, just pictures for Instagram, right? <laughs> exactly. So I had become a pro in 2020. And at that time, I didn't need to leave my job. I just could race local races and some US races. And then COVID happened. And so I was able to work remotely and train. And there weren't any races really on the calendar. And so it became pretty easy for me to work and cycle at the same time. So this is 2020. And then at the end of 2020, that's when European racing opened up. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go half time at work. I'm going to try the European thing just for the two months that I can. And it's like an experiment. And then I'm going to see how it goes and then come back and evaluate. I was very, very, very lucky in that my bosses, they were very willing to let me kind of do this experiment and work half time for two months while I went to Europe. And if I hadn't had that opportunity, I don't really know what I would have chosen. I'm very lucky I didn't have to make that choice. And so, yeah, the first was, what is it like actually racing in Europe? Is it something that I actually enjoy? It's very different from racing in the U.S. And so I didn't know if I was going to like the lifestyle of traveling a lot, sleeping in hotel rooms a lot, working with teammates from all over the world who we had different cultures and different languages and you know, it was just a completely international team. And on top of that, it's a highly stressful competitive environment. And so, you know, you have to be on form 24 seven. It's not just like you go and train for two hours and then you're done. It's like your nutrition, your sleep and every single aspect of your day impacts how you perform and even how you manage stress impacts how you perform. And so these are all things I didn't really know. And I wanted to go learn and figure out what is it actually like to be a pro cyclist. And so that experiment in the fall of 2020 really helped me understand what I was getting into and having that confidence of just knowing what it was um, really helped me make my decision because it reduced a lot of the unknowns. And I think anytime you're making a big leap, the more you can reduce some of the unknowns, the less anxiety and fear you're going to have about making that decision. Mm So that was the first thing. The second thing was, you know, I wanted to have a conversation with my bosses because I was the only non-partner at my firm, at the investing firm I was at. And I wanted to make sure that I was leaving on good terms with them and that I maintained a good relationship with them. And I didn't want to leave them hanging. Like I didn't want to just go in one day and say, hey, by the way, I'm I'm quitting. I'm going to go be a pro cyclist. So it was part of an ongoing conversation I had with them, which is, you know, hey, I am really thinking seriously about this professional cycling and I really want to pursue it. I also really enjoy my job. I don't know how they're going to conflict. And so I had a very, very open dialogue with my bosses about the process and I didn't want to leave them until I knew for certain that I wanted to leave, but I also didn't want to um, wait until the last minute to let them know that this was on my mind. And so, you know, having them involved in the process was something that was really fortunate for me. Um, it was something that I was very intentional about, but the way that they they expressed their gratitude for my honesty by reciprocating it with their support and 
you know, trying to make it work as long as it could. And then when it became clear that I couldn't do both, that's when we had, you know, the hard conversation, but they, they gave me the freedom to really explore that. And, and that made all the difference. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like the external support is like, so, so key. And it's like, even beyond the external support of, um, you know, those in your circle who are actually affected by your decision, you know, giving you the freedom to explore it. It's like, you mentioned a book earlier, Eric mentioned a book earlier. Like, I feel like even, even just kind of seeing examples of other people out there who do take risks can go such a long way in terms of, you know, letting people see that they also can then take risks. Like, I think that's such a, um, that visibility and like that support system that comes, like a lot of times we feel like we're making these decisions. There are decisions that we're making about our lives. So we think that we're making them in isolation or like, we feel like, you know, we're the, it's, it's all up to us, but at the same, and, and to a certain extent, it obviously is, but at the same time, having that uh, support circle around you, or even just like looking to other examples of people who are doing similar things or taking similar risks, like that is all part of what goes into you making the final decision or you making a change in your lifestyle. So that's amazing that, that you were able to get um, some of that external support to, to give you the freedom to explore it before you really committed to changing your life in that way. Yes, definitely. And I think, you know, the more stories you hear of people who have been successful taking a leap and taking a risk, the more conviction you have that things will work out. And I think especially if you followed like a pretty traditional path in your life, you can, you know, it's very easy to think, oh, if I stray from this path, then, you know, things will fall apart. Um, or if you haven't surrounded yourself by a lot of people who have strayed from the path and things have worked out, then you don't really know that it's okay. And so for me, it was really important to surround myself with people who had taken risks and who had done something different. And again, this was, you know, I was very fortunate in that I worked in venture capital. So I was surrounded by entrepreneurs who had left their jobs and given up high salaries to go start companies and put their entire careers at risk to, to go start something which had a 90% chance of failure. And so being around people who had done what I wanted to do and who had taken those kinds of risks was really inspiring for me. And I think a huge reason why I was able to do so myself. And my parents had also, you know, they graduated college and they moved to Alaska before the days of email and cell phones. And so I think, you know, having them as role models who are, you know, they also had taken risks in their life. You know, they'd gone up and moved to a place that was very far away and and made it work and, you know, other had a beautiful family and, and, um, have happy lives. And so I think the more you hear stories about artists or musicians or entrepreneurs or people who've taken non-traditional paths and, and been successful, I think the more conviction you can have in, in doing that yourself. And I think the biggest takeaway for me from that is like, you know, I like to say there's not necessarily successful careers. There's just successful people who will figure out how to be successful at whatever they do. And that's why they're successful artists and successful musicians and successful writers and poets and all of these careers where you're here like, oh, you can't make it in the you know X, Y, Z industry. And yet there's successful people all the time that make it in that industry. And it's because you just have very dedicated, smart and ambitious people who figure out a way to make it work. And I think if you can take that mindset, you can be successful at whatever it is. And you just have to commit and be willing to take the risk. And I think things will work out if you're willing to push through some of the self-doubt that's inevitable along the way um, and surround yourself by people who believe in you. And, you know, you have to believe in yourself too during those really hard times. 
Totally. Well, okay, this feels like a good place to pause since we're talking about believing in yourself. So let's uh, identify who yourself is. <laughs> so let's pause and do some introductions. Uh, so what's up, y'all? Welcome back to You Free, our communal podcast. You got me, Azim, on the line. You've heard Eric's voice. And who are we speaking with today? Hi, my name is Kristen. I am a professional cyclist for Team Pitka Silicon Valley Bank. I am originally from Alaska, so was born and raised um, one of five kids. So from a very big family. I love the outdoors and I went to high school and college on the East Coast and picked up cycling when I moved to New York City and that became from my hobby into my career. Awesome. I'm really curious to hear, you know, about because you mentioned Alaska and you mentioned being, you know, outdoorsy and like that's definitely uh a quality that comes to mind as I think back of you back in the day. It was interesting because when I saw that you were, you know, now cycling, I was like, well, I didn't know she cycled, but that also makes perfect sense because I knew you, you know, rode and swam and like did all these other activities and, you know, have a competitive nature and whatnot and and those things. So it made total sense to me. But like, do you think that's like a a very clear link from having grown up in Alaska to you being so into some of these outdoor activities? Yes, definitely. I mean, I think you know, growing up in Alaska, I spent a lot of time in the outdoors, whether that was hiking or fishing or kayaking or doing any kind of outdoor activity. And so for me, being in the outdoors is my sense of feeling at home. And I could be in the outdoors in Italy or France or Germany or Africa or Asia. But if I'm outside, you know, I have the wind on my face like that to me is a sense of home. And so that's definitely something I grew up with. And it's something I get through cycling. Um, I would say the second thing is that when you grow up in a really small town, you don't spend your weekends visiting museums or going to operas or doing a lot of things that, you know, someone who grows up in New York City might do. Um, The big activity that kids do is sports. And so after school, growing up, it was always, I would go to swimming or I would go to soccer practice. And so I think part of it is just being from a small town and having sports be the main activity that young kids do. There's also a lot of art and, and other things in my town, but my parents had always put us into sports. So I think the convergence of athleticism and the outdoors both played a role, Um, particularly because when I moved to New York City, you know, a lot of people, they go to gyms, they go to spin class, they get an Equinox membership or a class pass membership, and um, that's how they fulfill their fitness needs. But for me, my fitness needs kind of went beyond and they were combined with this need to be outdoors. And that was my Alaska upbringing. And so I went to Central Park every day and I was looking for both fitness and the outdoors. And so the main two things, it was like I either went running or I went biking. And so I think it was living in this big urban jungle surrounded by tall buildings and concrete, really longing for that sense of outdoors and the kind of teamwork I got from rowing in college and the athleticism, all of those things that I was really longing for that I didn't get in New York were something that I that cycling very much fulfilled for me. And I was in, you know, a relatively foreign place moving to New York City. And cycling gave me a sense of home and a sense of comfort that I wasn't getting at the time. So in some ways, I would say New York City really expanded my horizons and cycling allowed me to kind of keep my roots as well. And so part of the reason I I love New York is that I was able to do both while I was there. I was able to explore kind of new parts of myself and maintain the core parts of my identity. And I think if I hadn't discovered cycling, it would have been a really hard transition for me in a very new place. So 
that was another lesson I learned. Just like anytime you're transplanting yourself into a new environment, I think it's important to embrace all the novelty and explore different parts of yourself, but also to maintain that sense of home, whatever home is for you, mm-hmm. um, because it really keeps you grounded and prevents some of that homesickness or loneliness that you might otherwise get. Yeah, I, I really like that. There's times in which like I'm still understanding and assessing what makes me feel at home because being raised in New York City, there there's just so much that's happening consistently where I don't even get really a time and a moment to think, but I do get those those opportunities whenever I'm like running on the treadmill or whenever I'm honestly just like silent around some friend over a dinner table. So it's like experiencing a place like Alaska where you are spending most of your time outdoors or doing a lot of these physical activities and then going to New York where there's just that hustle and bustle and that rat race and being able to also take your take your mind and your body outside of that. That's extremely impressive what it makes me think is that you're you're also able to just tap into this flow state where you're you're able to put your environment aside and really zone into what you're doing yeah and i think it's important to know how to take your home with you whatever home is to you or you know you can't always change your environment sometimes you can um and so how do you, what is it that makes you feel at home or makes you feel grounded And how can you build that into the environment that you're in or create it? And so someone from uh, New York City who might get put in a really rural place, you know, maybe they miss the hustle and bustle. And so or maybe they miss intellectual diversity. Um, And so I think you can find ways to build that into wherever you are in the world. The most important step is just figuring out what it is that makes you feel at home. And I think once people understand what makes them feel grounded, it's a lot easier to travel and change your surroundings and explore new things because you don't feel alone and it's a lot safer. And, um, you know, one thing for me when I went to Europe was I really wanted to make sure that I called a really close friend or family member every single night when I was there, because to me, that was also really important is community And I didn't have a community when I went to Europe. I had my team, but they were still foreign to me in in a sense. And so Mm -hmm. being able to call home and remind myself, you know, I have this community of people back home who love me, who I can go back to, who are supporting me. That was a really big thing for me. And so I was able to thrive in Europe because I was able to bring home with me. And when I say bring home, I mean, you know, I, I had my cell phone and so I could call home every day and even though I wasn't there with these people, I still felt like they were a big part of my life. And, you know, I could thank, you know, some of the experiences in my life that, you know, transplanting from Alaska to, to boarding school at age 14, you know, was another instance where I had to develop a sense of home away from home. And and the more you do that, the more comfortable you feel putting yourself out of your comfort zone because you can bring senses of comfort with you. Totally. It, it makes me think too about, when we think about growth or evolution, like in a personal context, you know, it really is really having these innate values or qualities or passions that you have, and then having that guide you, but then understanding that that can then translate in different ways, right? So it's like, for you to now be a professional cyclist, but also that not necessarily being something that you really tapped into until you were in New York, that's like a new a new thing. But at the same time, it's totally guided by all of these qualities and like loves that you have from when you were a child. And like, that's really what 
what growth is. And that's why you are able to see like these, you know, quote unquote, successful people who do go walk on traditional um, paths for themselves and, and attain success. Like a lot of times it's because they're just guided by, you know, it isn't like, Oh, I want to do X, Y, Z. It's like, I want to be this kind of person. I want to have these sorts of things in my life. And then taking that with them to whatever industry that they end up in or to whatever walk of life they end up, you know, finding that allows them to really hone in on those things. Even if, you know, maybe when they were growing up, they never imagined that they would be in X, Y, Z career. The career ends up making perfect sense for them because they're still guided by the same things that made them, you know, smile or made them feel good when they were just a kid. Yeah. And, and someone once said to me, you know, I think if you do the things you're passionate about doors, and opportunities will open in areas you're passionate about. And if you do things you're not passionate about, doors and opportunities will open up in areas you're not passionate about. And so essentially, like, you know, opportunities will open in whatever path you choose, or you can create opportunities in whatever path you choose. And so you might as well choose one that you really enjoy. And that was actually my college roommate who said that to me. And it really stuck with me because I think at the time I was trying to figure out you know, what I should major in and what I should study. And, you know, I was like, but there's not as many opportunities in this career versus this one. And if I major in this, maybe I'll have a harder time finding a job. And she was like, for someone who's talented and smart and ambitious, you can find and create opportunities in your life. Like whatever path you follow, opportunities will arise in that path. And so pick a path where you want opportunities to arise. And I think that that was like a huge influence in my life because it really gave me the freedom to really ask myself what it is that I wanted to do and um, have faith that things would work out if I listened to that. So I can thank my roommate, Eliza McLean, for that. So <laughs> she's listening and I can give her a shout out. Well, shout out to Eliza for, for, dropping, <laughs> for dropping some gems in that way. That was so impactful. Totally. Yeah. I feel like, um, like so much of our lives before we, um, you know, certainly like for a lot of us, at least through high school and, and to some of us, you know, beyond that as well, like so much of what we do are decided by things outside of our control to a certain extent. Like, you know, you grew up in Alaska. That's because your parents <laughs> moved to Alaska before you were born. And like you have you happen to be born there. Right. Like there's and then, um, you know, schools we go to a lot of times, um, even like the college application process, like you might have a dream college that you want to go to and then you don't get into. It's like there's so many decisions that are kind of made by people around us or systems around this or just sort of you know we don't really always feel that we have full control of our lives you know as we're growing up um so to me like one of the biggest things of growing up and of really like stepping into myself you know as the adult version of who I innately have been since a kid was that understanding of like I can now decide, you know, for, for so much of my life, I just was ended up in these spaces because I was supposed to be in these spaces. But it's like, now I have the agency to decide, you know, that's going to take me and taking risks and taking that leap, like we talked about earlier. But at the end of the day, at least I'm the one who's calling the shots and like making the decision on how I want to live my life and, and doing so on my terms. Yeah, it's definitely a sense, you know, it's a step of maturity when you go from just being who you've always been to starting to create who you are going to be and who you want to be. And I think that's kind of the transition into adulthood is like you really have the power to create the person you want to be. And I think, you know, as children, we are often a product of our environment, our parents, our siblings, you know, our schools, and a lot of our belief systems are, are also influenced by that. And I think as you become an adult, 
you can really question some of the things you grew up with and take parts of it that you really love and let go of parts of it that you don't and explore areas you've never even considered before. And I think it's a pretty incredible thing that, you know, all of us have the opportunity to really be the person we want to be and create that person. And I think that's why exposure to so many different types of people is so important, you know, exposure to different people and places and careers and opportunities. And um, is because, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And as children, we're, we're actually not exposed to all that much, you know, we, uh, and, and we're, we're often biased by what our parents believe. And I think part of becoming an adult is realizing that, yes, there are aspects of our childhood environment that we are really grateful for and, and really appreciate and are so happy that and unfortunate that we had them, but also like being able to have the wings to go do something different and, and, and kind of become your own person. And I think the idea of experimenting along the way, you know, with studying different topics in school or trying out different sports or experimenting with music or art, you know, having exposure to all those things and different people and cultures, like I think really, really help influence who you want to be because they just show you that there's a different path. Like there's so many, so many directions that you can take your life and your identity. And yeah, I mean, you can, you can handpick and kind of create the person you want to be the same way you do a piece of art. And I, I think that's, it's a lifelong process. Um, but it's also, I think something that's really beautiful is like, you know, there's so many options out there for all of us and we just have to kind of take the baby steps to create it. So I, I, you know, no one, no one is a complete person. Like we all are continuing to grow until the day that we die. <laughs> and, um, you know, as we go through life, we like learn new things and we look of things and we pick up on things and be new friends and people who influence us. And, you know, I think, just being really open to that process is something that to me is really important, but I also think is just an incredibly exciting thing about life. Like it's, it's a never ending process. And if you're committed to that process of constantly trying to be a more authentic version of yourself, then I think it's a recipe for happiness and success. We don't stop with the time, do Love is in another life, let me remind you. Look back, see me behind you.
stop at the time. 